Okay, uh, today we're covering Mark chapter 10. And uh, J.D., the, the first thing that I marked up here is verse 11, where Jesus is talking in this first passage about divorce and remarriage. And he says in verse 11, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else ca- commits adultery against her. And I think some people might read this and say, whoa, what the heck? You know, especially if you're new to this and you've never really thought about what the Bible says about divorce and divorce and remarriage. And I guess I would just say, the reason I marked it up is I would just say, um, take some time to study not just this, but to study the other passages in the New Testament about divorce and remarriage. I think the biggest takeaway is that marriage matters to God, that we shouldn't take divorce lightly. I don't think that this passage says that you can never divorce or you can never remarry necessarily. I think it just, what what I've always taken from this and we've got more on this in the library. What I've always taken from this is marriage matters to God. Sexuality matters to God. Divorce is not uh, just a little small thing. That uh, It's just something that we really should take seriously uh, and, and really seek out God's truth when we're in a, in a relationship like that. And, and this is tough for people because this mm-hmm. is one of those areas where people want yeah. to take it their way, not God's way. Yeah, and I think some people can be really judgmental on one side about it. But then I think some people, it's easy also to be overly liberal on the other side of it. So that's, I always encourage everyone to just really like, here, here's what God's Word says about divorce, and you need to pray about it, you need to dig into it, and, and submit to what God, God says about this. Amen. And so that's, uh, that's, that's all we need to say about that. Uh, verse 15 is one of my favorite, probably because I'm a simple-minded person, but it says, I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And I, I, I just I just love the when you see little children mm-hmm. and their faith and their and their belief and it's uh, it's simple mm-hmm. and it's not overcomplicated and it's uh, and and they just take it right at his word mm-hmm. and I and so I've I find great peace and joy in that maybe it's because I'm too lazy to, <laughs> <laughs> to to want to dig into it maybe and I, that's not probably the best attitude to have but yeah. uh, I've always liked this. Yeah, I, and, yeah, and it's. I think it speaks to simple faith, and I think it also speaks to dependency, right? Children, the thing that marks a child is dependency. Not, you know, some people might look at this and say, "Does this mean we need to check in our brain at the door that we need to be naive?" No, it's not about being naive. It's about being dependent. It's about recognizing God's God. We're not, you know, when my kid was little, more than anything, he was dependent on me, right? He he might not have realized that, but that's that's the that was a reality. And I marked up verse 17, because I love this, this story of the rich man. There's so much here. Um, but Jesus, G, G, this man comes up to Jesus and he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And that question to me says it all. Number one, he didn't really know who Jesus was. He called him a good teacher. So Jesus is going to get to that issue, right? And then number two, he thinks it's all about what he has to do. And so if, as you notice Jesus' response to this, he, he uncovers both of those things, both of those kind of lies, that Jesus is more than a good teacher, he's, he's God himself. And number two, that it's, it's not actually about what we can do to enter the kingdom of heaven, it's about what Jesus did for us on the cross. Anyway, that's what I read into all of this. And that kind of answers my question there at 21, mm-hmm. where he says, go and sell all your possessions. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think you're, you kind of answered it for me, which is... It's not a. It's not an action. Yeah, it's, it's it's a heart. It's a heart issue. Yeah. So I think it'd be wrong to to look at this and say, look, the, if you're going to be a Christian, you have to sell everything you have. That would be, I think, misinterpreting this. 
I think the reason Jesus said this is he recognized that this man's God was his money, and so he was testing his heart to see if he could give up his God in order to follow Jesus. So I don't think we can dogmatically say that you need to sell all your possessions to have faith in Jesus. Because then you'd be buying your way in. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. But I I think it does speak to Jesus is speaking to the need and the the idol that this man had set up in his heart. And we, we can all do that. And uh, verse 31 was when I marked up, and we talked about it a little bit, uh, but I'd love to get into it more on mm-hmm. this in uh, Mark 10, which is, but many who are the greatest now will be the least important then, and those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. You know, we we raise our children up yep. to, to do their best, yep. and we we have high expectations for them, and we and we talk about, we bring on the news, and we... And we mm-hmm. We watch sports shows and we mm-hmm. talk about the heroes and and the greatest. Right, right. We call them the goat now. That's the big yep. expression these days. Yeah. But I, I think God's trying to to tell us something, isn't He? Yeah, yeah. I think remember the context of this is it's coming out of interacting with this rich man, and the disciples were poor, and so you could you know that this Jesus says all this because they said. You know, they're comparing themselves with this rich man, and they say, we've given up everything to follow you. And so I think it is, it's it's this thing that we do, we play this comparison game, we see, uh, you know, who's the greatest in our culture, the rich and the famous and all that stuff, and this speaks directly to that. Jesus said, okay, there's two realities, you know, the one is the real truth, and it's it's what's happening in the kingdom of heaven. The other thing that you think is real is what you see on TV. It's what you see at school. It's it's the what you see greatness to be defined as here. So again, Jesus is still redefining greatness for the disciples. And this is good for all of us to pay attention to Jesus's definition of greatness. It is not about riches and fame and accomplishments on earth. It is about the kingdom of heaven. Those who are great here are going to be least important then, and then vice versa. If if you feel like you're the least here because you've given up all of these other things in order to in order to grow the kingdom of God or to seek God, then you're gonna you're gonna, it'll pay off in the end. That's what Jesus is saying. Talked uh, about the disciples then kind of fighting over who would be next to Jesus mm-hmm. in heaven mm-hmm. once the their day came, and in in verse forty, it just a reemphasis one more time mm-hmm. for the Trinity people mm-hmm. or the Trinity confusion, whereas Jesus told them, "I have no say in who you'll sit. God prepares a place for those." And the ones he has chosen. Hmm. Just one more time, it's where Jesus and God are separate, mm, but the yeah. same, right? Yeah, Jesus and God the Father. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think it speaks to that number one, but I think it also speaks to this issue of greatness, right? Because being on the right hand was the place of. It was kind of like. On the right hand is, uh, you know, the first in line, and yes. on your left hand is the next in line. So those were the two greatest: is whoever was on your right and whoever was on your left. And so again, it, Jesus is speaking again to this. He's he's answering for them this question of what greatness is really about, and, he, and he's basically saying, like, would you would you quit trying to vie for power? Right? It's about being a servant. You know, right? This is what he says in verse 43. Among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be the leader must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be the slave of everyone. 
For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom. So to me, it's a continuation of this teaching about what true greatness is, what what true leadership is that he started back in the previous chapter. And he's he's finishing. It's funny, to it's, as you read all this together, it's kind of funny because the disciples keep bringing it back up. Yes. And Jesus just comes back to the same answer again and again and again. Be a servant. Don't try to be great in the world's definition of greatness. Because men do 